Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. What is up, football fans? This is the Live from the 55 podcast. I'm Danny Austin. We are recording live at our Marta Loop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada studio. It's Sunday morning. I got Ian Busby. He's going to be here in just a couple minutes. He's our sort of regular Sunday guest. Always appreciate him. And uh, I think that today we're going to give Ryan Ballantyne a call. See how Ryan's doing. I haven't talked to him in a month or so. And I think that ultimately we're, we're pretty much ready to put the Stampeders season to rest after last night. <laughs> that was a terrible game uh, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Losing 22-15. to 15, Just just one of those games that makes you shake your head and wonder what is happening at McMahon Stadium a little bit because this is not the same Stampeders team that so many of us were used to for so, so many years. Lots of other stuff happened. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 31. Toronto Argonauts, 21. Yes, this is a... No, I don't even think this is all that nice a win for the Bombers. This is just sort of a game where, to be honest, with Chad Kelly resting, the Argos clearly were not willing to sort of give up their secrets in advance of a potential Grey Cup matchup. And look, all the Bombers can do is go out and beat the team that's in front of them. So you can't knock the Bombers for the way that they played. But I don't think this teaches us absolutely anything other than sort of that the Argos social media guys are guys and girls are, are, are pretty funny. Uh, I did think that the way that they you know, threatened to block the Bombers post-game and then posted the the block from the Grey Cup. It's just, it's just good comedy, guys. I appreciate that. Other than that, I don't know, BC Lions, 33-26. Lions are, are very much keeping pace with the, the Bombers for first place in the West Division. Both of those teams, you know, they're, what are they? You think that I would have had this up? I did have it up. I don't know where the CFL standings went on my laptop. Yeah, they're both 11 and 4. So they are facing off this weekend. We are going to talk a ton about that on Thursday's show because if Argos Bombers didn't quite end up being the game of the year that we were all sort of anticipating and hoping for and a blockbuster, well, Lions Bombers is pretty good, guys. Uh, if you are <laughs> the Lions, you really want that West Division final to be played in your house indoors. You're the Bombers. You know you want it at IG Field. Craziest crowd in the league. Huge game this weekend coming up. But, you know, the Lions beat the Riders. It's very funny to me. Like, I, I have to laugh. This isn't a criticism of anyone, but I, I see Riders fans being so mad right now. And it's like, guys, you guys are 6-9. and nine. You're 100% making the playoffs. You're beating both Alberta teams. Your starting quarterback's been out since, what, week three or four? Maybe even, No. Week three or four. Let's just say that. I don't know what week Trevor Harris has been out since, but it's been a little while. You know, I recognize that these riders don't exactly inspire a ton of confidence. The riders are not a team that I am looking at and saying, like, oh, okay, I think they're going to go on a great cup run, but you're going to make the playoffs. You didn't make the playoffs last year. You're going to do it this year. All of this without your sort of veteran big free agent signing, there's been progress. You got to be happy with it, in my opinion. But no. They are not. 
on the same level as Alliance, Bombers, or Argos. I think we know those are the three like real deal contenders, but maybe Montreal sort of sneaking in as the fourth. Um, although like Montreal's beaten Calgary and Ottawa in the last two weeks. You know, sort of what do we know? What do those wins teach us? They they beat the, the Red Blacks 32-15. That was a, a very professional, solid performance. Coming a week right after, you know, they looked pretty good, pretty confident. I don't think anyone has any complaints uh, about Mo the way Montreal beat up on the Stampeders in week 16. So, you know, Montreal, two big wins in a row. I, I, I like what I'm seeing from that team. They're not giving much up defensively, that's for sure. Boy, does Darnell Sankey ever fit in well there. Love that signing. We had him on the show much earlier this year, and he talked, uh, you know, about just wanting a place where there's a chance for him to win a great cup. And uh, I don't know. I just really think that he, he fit fit in well there. They got Sean Lemon. 99 sacks. Didn't quite get to 100. But he will. Not worried about it. But yeah, you know, 32-15. Alouettes. Cody Fajardo only threw for 178 yards, which is wild. But um, all around luck. The Alouettes I, I, are comfortable with the fourth best team. But I just don't. I don't think anyone. We're lying if we don't have the Argos number one and then the Lions and Bombers fighting for number two. And then finally, obviously, Hamilton Ticats 22, Calgary St. Peter's 15. I don't think I need to go too far into this game because especially if I have Ballantyne on, you know, Ballantyne's going to want to talk about the stamps. No question there. I got to love them. Um, but I don't think you can love the way this team is playing right now. Really feels like they just want the season to be over. But hey, the Ticats, man. Matthew Schultz coming in in relief. 11 of 19, 225 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. That's a nice interception. That Cam Judge interception was unreal. Can't have any complaints about Cam Judge. But there you go. What a what a weekend it was. Uh, I wouldn't say it was like the greatest weekend of CFL football that we've ever seen. I think we can just admit that. This was one of those weekends, uh, sort of as the games went on. Um, you said, all right, they're not all. They're not all going to be blockbusters. They're not all going to be hits. Sometimes you got to get through some of these games and man there were times when that hamilton calgary game was a slog um i had i had fun watching the montreal ottawa game though and yeah so here we are it's october pretty much a month left of the regular season i think we got a pretty good idea of, of where we're at um you know east division not a lot of intrigue up top but montreal and hamilton gonna be fun fighting for second place I think TSN, I was looking at their website earlier, and they were asking, like, who has the bigger home field advantage? I don't have an answer for that, but I do sort of think that I wouldn't want to be going into that Montreal stadium. Montreal fans get loud when their team is winning. They get loud for a playoff game. I wouldn't want to be going into Montreal. I wouldn't want to be going into Hamilton either. Them knowing they got a game with Toronto coming up in the East Final, and then potentially they're one game away from playing in a home Grey Cup. Look, yeah, either East Final I'd be happy with. Or other East semifinals, I should say. And yeah, out west, that fight for first, man. That's going to be the whole thing. It's going to be really fun coming down the stretch, and that obviously starts this weekend uh, with with BC and and Winnipeg in BC. Um, that's right. I'm not completely out to lunch on that. Yeah, it is in BC, October 6th. And yeah, I mean, we got, it, it's probably time for us to start talking about awards. That's something that I think we're going to need to break down a little bit. I had someone, I thought it was a good question, to be honest. I, had, I saw someone, and I apologize for forgetting who. Um, if, if you 
I'll shout you out on Twitter if you get in touch with me uh, or on the next podcast. But someone asked me, I mean, like, okay, if Chad Kelly is sitting out games, does it hurt his MOP candidacy? Because I do think that, like, there's no questions. Chad Kelly is the most outstanding player um, in the league. I don't think that we can look at the standings, look at what Chad Kelly's done, that look at his efficiency and, and, and go with anyone else. I think it would be ridiculous. I know we're going to hear out of Winnipeg pushes for Zach Larson. I rightfully think Farhan Lalji said, hey, guys, let's let's keep an eye on Vernon Adams Jr. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, hey, there's there's more than one candidate out here. But I do think that Chad Kelly is far and away the front runner. Um, and I have a feeling they're not going to. Like, they rested him because it was Winnipeg. I, I don't think it's all that complicated. I, I do think that they earned the right to do that. And they put Chad Kelly on the bench. They said, hey, we're going to go with our backup quarterback, who I thought played pretty well. Um, but I don't think Chad Kelly is going to be sitting out against Edmonton this week. Do we? I don't. I mean, prove me wrong. It'd be a bit odd if that's what happened. But I do. Anyways, I think him being benched was just sort of a, a Winnipeg-specific thing. And, yeah, I expect him just to kind of cruise to that MOP award. The rest of them I got to look at, it's been such a weird year. Like, I know Matthew Betts got out to such a hot start with sacks, but you know his numbers have certainly slowed down since that sort of opening month. And I mean, it, it's the totality of the numbers, I guess, that probably matter. But you know, does it hurt him that it's such a good sort of opening month, six weeks, and 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 the numbers haven't sort of continued climbing since? I don't know. Um, defensive, you got to kind of go into, and there's so many great defensive players in this league. So I'm not going to go into rookie. I've done this before. I I think I tried to do it and then Charleston Hughes called uh, last week. So anyways, that'll be a, a big conversation this last month. Always going to be fun. I wonder, is there a Stampeders player who is going to? Reggie Bagleton makes the All-Star game. That's for sure. Um, not sure there's anyone else on on the offense who I, I think has a real good shot. I mean, there's certainly no, no other receivers are going to be there. Um, not a running, no running back. I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anyone there. But I think defensively, you'd, you'd probably find a way to to skip Mike or to get Mike Rose in there. But I don't think there's anyone else. So maybe Mike Rose and Reggie Bagleton are the only possible All Stars coming out of Calgary. I mean, that's what happens when your team is four and eleven. Um, I mean, I guess there's a chance Mike Alway. Uh, nah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, weird. Very weird. But who knows? Maybe they'll just announce the wrong All-Stars and there will be like 10 Stampeders. Hope they do that again. What a trip that was. Um, anyways, yeah. Other than that, big news of the week. I mean, Green Day, halftime show. I, I'm not sure that's going to like pull the under 20s or under 30s in necessarily, but uh, obviously a big name in the music world. Uh, going to be important. We're going to have Ian Busby. I'm sure he loves it. I can take or leave Green Day. I don't really care, but I, I think it's a decent... Season halftime show. I'm not going to get too worked up about that. I think that in general, the response on Twitter has been pretty positive to it. Um, I don't know. Lions adding Colin Kaepernick to the negotiation list. I don't think I need to waste my time with that. There's lots of people out there who can who can chat about it. I don't. I don't think that's all that big a big a story, really. Luck. We're here to talk about the games. Let's get to it. What a honestly, I'm, I'm so deflated by what I had to watch last night. That was. Really well and truly, it looked like the Stampeders have, I don't want to say thrown in the towel. Sorry, in the sun today was that they have not thrown in the towel. So why directly contradict myself here? But 
they didn't look they looked like a team that was ready for the season to be over they looked like a team that didn't have any fight left in them um some of their best players getting getting beat some you know some of their highest paid players getting beat deep um didn't like seeing it wrote this on twitter this has been five years since the calgary stampeders won a playoff game five years they're not winning one this year we talk about the stampeders we always have as if they're sort of you know standard they were even when they were sort of doing this on the fly rebuild we all sort of felt like ah well at the end of the season they might be ready to knock off a veteran team like the bombers well i don't know they kept losing in the playoffs and now they're not going to make the playoffs weird season um thank you to our sponsor mugs pub um you know they have amazing weekly specials thank you to resident fig um yeah guys Let's get to Ian Busby. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. We gotta talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Cause I love these guys. Here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because they've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. Ian Busby, welcome back. Thank you for having me. You're basically the co-host on Sundays, let's be honest. <laughs> we can call you a guest, but you're pretty much a co-host. So it is uh <laughs> Well, no, no, you're the one hosting. I'm just I'm just here for the the hoops and giggles. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um We gotta keep it uh regular for this. Before week. I go into this weekend's like relatively underwhelming set of games, um, let's do let's just do some some hey. <laughs> Ian's excited. Jamie and I's excited. Let's talk CFL Grey Cup halftime show. Green Day. Green I think, Day. I think you like that, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm super pumped about this. We uh, we thought we were going to get Green Day last year in Regina, and I was. We were all set to. I think I actually promoted it. It was like, oh yeah, that's going to be Green Day, and then it didn't turn out. So now it's Green Day. We're pretty excited about this. Yeah, uh, Jamie and I is the most excited about this. So shout out, Jamie gonna see you there i'll be hanging out with you at the uh, great cup halftime show it's gonna be good times i was thinking back i'm like i don't remember most of the great cup halftime shows it's not that big of a deal but it seems to be one of those things that gets fans either really excited one way or the other and somebody has to complain about the great cup halftime show you're going I mean, to a football game and you're getting a free concert yeah, so i mean people are always gonna complain it's it's one of the ridiculous. I mean, I complained a lot last year because they didn't announce the Grey Cup halftime show. That was until, the, that like, was but, uh, a week before, and, and that it, that was the problem because they kept booking people and then then canceling on it. Yeah, that, that's the what I understand from talking to people that were involved in that. It was just okay. They were trying to get some big bands, and Green Day was one of the bands they thought they could have gotten. Now they got them, so I'm 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 excited. Yeah, it's yeah. look. I don't like. I'll be honest. I don't care about Green Day. But like that doesn't mean that I don't think it's a good great cup halftime show. Like it's, I, like, it's pretty good. Yeah, like, like they're they're gonna play like six songs you love. So yeah, it's yeah. gonna be great. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. No matter what, like every year, 
I remember when Alicia Cara was in was the Great Cup halftime show. That was 2018. 2018 in Edmonton. Okay. And there were like a lot of our colleagues in the media were like were complaining. It was like, oh my gosh, we're all such old white men. Like it was like so. <laughs> and then they all started. Yeah, we are just and, old white men, so and we then, complain about everything. And then she got on stage, and like I remember, like one by one, people tweeting being like, "Oh, I actually really love." Ali-. And it's like, yeah, because she's amazing. Yeah. Um, Keith Urban, I remember there was a. See, if you tell me these people are Great Cup halftime shows, I can tell you where and when they played for sure. But I wouldn't like I would say, okay, twenty seventeen in uh, Ottawa. Who was the halftime show? Shania Twain. Yes. That was a that was a big one. But I don't remember twenty. One Republic. Fifteen. Fifteen was follow up boy. I don't okay. think we just need to do this. The point is, because <laughs> we can just like go break down the last ten years, and at some point you get back to Headley, and we all just that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that no, guy's we're not going to talk about Headley, obviously. Yeah, that guy's disgusting. So, anyways, Green Day. Look, they're a band that everyone would know. They're like they've I'm, been for thirty years. I they're gonna make a lot of people very happy so i'm happy for people who are happy yeah i'm pretty sure nobody's gonna complain right if you want to like send danny your comments not me no i'm not complaining i like i said (laughs) no 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 i'm just saying i don't care if you are gonna complain send danny your comments don't send them to me all i'm getting is complaints about Calgary St. Peter's these days. Um, I actually don't <laughs> well, want to start there. I don't want to start there. See, because... I've given up on the Calgary St. Peter's. Yes. That's why. So. But we do, we do have to break it down because, and why I want to get to that game, but not right away, is like we've given up on them. We very much did last week, and I, I thought we did a nice job. Uh, I tried to transition midweek to Sean Lemon, yep. which I do think was my best podcast. Um, but like we said, okay, it's done. But this is the week that it looked like they thought it was done. Yeah. Um, they, beyond they... that, like, well, and here, here Sean Lemon, who's trying to get his hundredth sack, keeps getting like touchdowns and interceptions. I know. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and it was like, all right, <laughs> those are better than sacks. We all, but it's I watched that really entire funny. game like, being like, get Lemon to a hundred, get Lemon yeah. to hundred, and then he gets a touchdown instead. And I was like, that's objectively yeah, picks, up the, picks up the ball and he's like, wait, I'm gonna go run this one in for a touchdown. The replay like, yeah. of that was so funny too, and that sealed the victory too. Like, it was great. Two seconds where he just kind of stands there, like, yeah. the, thinks the play's over, yeah. then the play's not over, and he goes like, in for a touchdown. Oh, I got a touchdown. Um, and okay. it's like, I just want him to get to a hundred. <laughs> I had a whole thing on my podcast. <laughs> um, but, I mean, look, look let's like, – this is – I said to you before we went on air, this is, like, the, the hardest weekend I've had to talk about. And I, I watch these games. It's just, like, Winnipeg 31, Toronto 21, like, told me absolutely nothing. No. Like, that's exactly what I thought was going to well, happen. Well, when they announced that they weren't going to play their top quarterback and then they were playing their third stringer in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, it was like, okay – they, that basically told you that they didn't care about winning this game. No. And they were like, oh, no, we're saving this one for the Grey Cup. We're, we're keeping everything in the vault. We're not showing you guys anything. No. Okay. I don't even think it's like that insightful for us to say this. They clearly looked at this game and were like, okay, chances are our biggest challenge of the year is going to be this team in the Grey Cup. Yeah. The Argos think the Bombers are going to be the one that they face in yep. the Grey Cup. That is like that much is very clear. I still think that the Lions have a very good chance of getting there, which we're going to talk about. Uh, we're talking to talk about some MOP stuff, but they clearly like this is the game where the Argos said, "All right, like shut down the playbook, yeah. put in Cameron Dukes, put in the third stringer." Like, and we we said this. I don't blame them. I don't have any no, issue with it. It, um, it was disappointing, but at the same time, this is what like you're. Yeah, but they're you're they're, at this point. They're not oh, in the business of entertainment. They're in the business of winning games, and they have won a lot of games. And they've won the right to do whatever they want for the rest of the year. So uh, they have one more, they have 60 minutes to get to the great cup. They 
and that's what they're geared up for. And then, and I'll be honest, I think that Winnipeg, I don't think Winnipeg was out there. I think Winnipeg wanted the win and particularly in the second yeah. half, we saw them put their foot in the gas, but like as much as I don't think that the Argos were going out there and showing their entire playbook, I don't think, I think the Bombers played very conservatively as well. Oh, yeah. So like when I say I have no conclusions from this game, I actually like have none. I don't think yeah. either team. No, 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 nobody there. laid it on the line, but no. what we're going to see hopefully this week yes. coming up BC, uh, Winnipeg at BC on Friday night, that is going to be the lay it on the line game because that's going to be the one that determines well, first place in the West. So, you know what? That, that's a nice segue by you. And because again, I just don't have anything more to say about Argos Bombers. Like, yeah. I, I wish that I did. I wish that anyone from Winnipeg or Toronto who's listening, I, I could say, offer some great, <laughs> some great take that you guys could take home and yeah. share with your family. I don't. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Winnipeg, BC. <laughs> I can just imagine them sitting. I don't, I don't. You know what Danny said on the podcast? It was like, that, 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 yeah. That can you been... tell that I got about halfway through that sentence? I'm like, I don't know where I'm going here. <laughs> I said with take your family twice in like three words. Uh, um, no, but like Winnipeg, Winnipeg in BC, um, in Vancouver, at BC Place, Friday night, as he said it. This is now, because that... That like, game ended This is up the game of the year. Less, this is, this is the juice. most... This one has all the juice. Exactly. This, this one is like for something that means something that it's a big difference to not have to host the West semifinal BC clinching a home playoff game was inevitable anyway. And now we know that those like the West games are going to be in Vancouver and Winnipeg. We don't know which game is going to be, which, and this is going to determine that the, the BC lions, it feels like, okay, they like, they know who they're, you know, they know who they're uh, what, it, what is it like the, their mark is, this is their mark. Okay, mm -hmm. we're gonna go, we've, they kicked the crap out of the uh, Bombers in home for the first game in, in Winnipeg and came back and got the their asses handed to them in the second game. Okay, so now who are we? It's gonna be a close game, I feel. And it's just gonna be, okay, lay it on the line. Let's Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, this is the, like, it's interesting. I think that there's this balance in any of these games where by winning and by going out and battling and, and surviving and I mean look ideally laying a beating on the other team but by, by winning these games I just think that you gain a psychological advantage yeah. so it's the balance between that and what Toronto and Winnipeg did this week which was and also not showing all your cards and so that's where the, this game is sort of interesting the thing is that like this game is going to determine where the West final is yeah I mean it's not like uh, there's other games coming later like you know there, yeah but, but like, there's not that many games left and you would think that the both of those teams are probably going to be heavily favored in the rest of their games. Mm -hmm. And to me, I, I look at the, like the CFL right now, there's three good teams and we know who they are. I've said that there's, there's the Argos are one. And then there's a second group of really good, of good teams. Yeah. But like there's only three contenders. Yes. And I, I'm not sure all my, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Like, they, well, I said this in the intro. I was like, well, look, Montreal's like suddenly winning again, but like they beat Ottawa and Calgary. Yeah. So, I can't, it's so weird saying that, but like yeah. that doesn't actually show us that much. No. So they, they beat the teams they should beat. Okay. So they're the best of the rest, basically. No, there's three good teams in this league Toronto, Winnipeg, BC. And um, like, okay. So the West final is going to be exciting. The Great Cup's going to be good. We'll see how it plays out. Now, Toronto it doesn't give Toronto a bye to the Great Cup. That's the thing. They have to still win that East final, whether it's Hamilton. Yeah. And, and we're going to get into that Hamilton and Montreal, like both of those teams are probably going to give them a good run in the East final for sure. And I, I think just staying with the West before we sort of 
move on to the, cause I mean, I, I do think Montreal and Hamilton have to be talked about sort of at length here. Um, I think that we, we've talked about this on the podcast before you and I, but like the second that you include Vancouver, like when we're talking about where the West final is going to be, it's different. Like, of course you don't want to go into mosaic in November. Like there's a yeah. huge advantage, but there's actually like, it's almost a different, I'm not going to say different sport, but the stakes are so high where the, like you don't, the lions want to play at home in their indoor stadium where it's not minus 30. Yeah. The bombers might actually be okay going on the road. And I'm pretty doing sure that. they'll be okay. And I think that's why the, like, it's just, it's such a, like it's B- weird. BC if- doesn't have like this huge home field advantage because it's very comfortable to go into that stadium and play because it's not going into the elements. It's not going into the, like, yeah, it's just that it's almost like the Winnipeg saw. does have, have such a huge advantage that you negate by not having to go in there. Exactly. So it's like, so like, yes, there's still a huge home field advantage. It's just like the physical advantage that you have is like almost not having to leave. Yes. I, like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it does. It is, yeah. I know what, I know what you mean. The, and the bombers like, are like, okay. It's almost get, like putting it on a neutral field. Yeah. We're going to go, we're going to eat a little sushi. Yeah. We're going to like go for a walk. We're going <laughs> to, maybe we'll go to Granville market. Right. We're gonna have a nice day in Vancouver. <laughs> this, Bring the umbrella. This sounds like every every trip we've ever had to uh, yes to Vancouver, <laughs> right? and I've never been on a trip to Vancouver with you. But like this is what we do on Vancouver trips to so Vancouver so many right? times. Oh yeah, um, no, I I we I used to go twice a year, two yeah. two three times a year. And if the playoffs were there, I remember going there in 2014, and no 2012. Sorry, 2012. The Stamps going on the road into Vancouver, and we're like, yeah, they got a good chance to win here. Like it's not. Yeah, and but the Lions are really good at home. So I will say my little Vancouver tradition was always I would get in, I'd get straight to my hotel, yeah, uh, Delta Gas Town, which is an extreme gas town, just a couple blocks away. Beautiful spot, love that hotel. I would go for the most expensive sushi, just like it, it was so good. <laughs> and then I would just walk the seawall all the way around Stanley Park. And mm-hmm. normally it would be pretty cold in Alberta, so like it didn't matter that it was like raining and sort of miserable. I was oh, like, yeah. I can be outside and be right? happy. Uh, <laughs> now I have a complicated relationship with Vancouver. Now let us move on. I just think yes, ultimately, uh, I, I I love going where, to Vancouver because like my skin feels so great after oh like three gosh. hours there. My curly hair. I get my hair back. I get my. Um, <laughs> I have many other issues. Us, with us dried out in Van, in, in Calgary here. I know. Yeah. Um, uh, let us say okay, not. I don't know. I don't even know what this question means. This is not based on who you want to finish first based on like preference as a fan or anything. Yeah. Would you rather, given that we know it's going to be a cold weather game in Hamilton for the great cup, would you rather the West final? Because I always hear fans say, Oh, well, we want the best football. We don't want the other ones. Would you rather the West final be in Vancouver or I think Winnipeg? So. I think I, I think I want it in Vancouver okay. be- because it's like fast track elements are going to be neutralized. It's not going to be that the best team sort of wins. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you really toss a coin. You're like, okay, anybody could win on any day. And the like Winnipeg strategy is much different if they're going into Vancouver, right? They're like, they're going to ground and pound if they're in Winnipeg for that West final. If they're in BC, they can't do that because Zach you're can gonna, throw in cold weather. I will say that. Like I will say, I saw, I saw something on, on Twitter the other day. It was like, Oh, Zach, isn't that great in cold weather? I'm like, Really? When? What? I know. When? Right. I was like, uh, uh, he won the coldest game that I've ever been at was the 2019 West semifinal. It was the okay. coldest freaking game I've ever been at. And he went out and won it. So no, don't give me this. He can't win in cold weather. Nick Arbuckle told me at one point <laughs> that 
on a short yardage play, he didn't know if the ball was in his head. So it was so <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he literally like he took the ball and he had to look down to see if it was like, there. Is it there? It yeah. Um, oh, it, it. Oh, I was there. My my cell phone froze to my chest. Yeah, it was, like I put it next to my heart to try and keep it alive, and, and it froze to my. And I was like, I had to peel it off. You want it to talk was about so cold alternate history? So like the stamps basically had to play that game at home, but like. If you remember, the top of the West in 2019 was incredibly close. It was yes. one game either way. Oh, yeah. uh, and the Stampeders, they, they lost a the game to Montreal at home. There was a fight before the game. But also, like, there were a couple refereeing decisions that were could have gone either way. I'll say that. The Stamps won that game. Then they weren't playing at home in minus 30. It was, like, plus 10 by Tuesday. That game was on a oh, Sunday. Oh, I know. And, like, if <laughs> they had been hosting the West, semi, the West final, it, man. And, like, you just wonder, you think, like, and I – Winnipeg was the best team in the league that year. I'm not saying, but you imagine. Well, they caught it, fire in, in What difference the year, yeah. might the weather have made yeah. if the Stamps had won one more game in the regular season than they're hosting the West Final, and then they have either Sask or the Bombers coming in? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's just wild to think about. Where would you rather have the East semifinal, Montreal or Hamilton? Uh, Hamilton, I think, because. You wanted in Montreal. <laughs> well, I, ha Montreal hasn't hosted a playoff game for a decade. Is that probably correct 2019 did they host one okay it's it feels like they've been it's been a long time since they've hosted a game but it feels that way for sure i'm gonna yeah. look up wikipedia while you vamp for a second okay well and <laughs> <laughs> I, I i just want those uh like those tie cat fans to get rewarded I, like they would have hosted the division semifinal because it was montreal and edmonton so 2019 Okay. Uh, the East semifinal that Edmonton was the crossover yeah. one and then lost to see. And I remember like getting to the stadium early on the 2019 game and going, Oh my God, it's the worst coldest game I've ever been at. And uh, yeah, we went with, I went with a, a mutual friend of ours and we thought we were going to die. Yeah. Are West, we talking about Wes Gilbertson. So are we talking about the West semifinal again? No, I'm just saying that day I don't remember. Oh, fair. because the East semifinal—that's the problem. Being out west, I'm like the East semifinals going on as you're preparing for the game that you're covering. I mean, it's one of, or, it's, it's or going to right. It's one of my like favorite, like great CFL traditions is for those playoff games for the West games. They always have on the yeah on the so like the players as they warm up are watching. Everyone's watching. I mean, it's really where like look, we all know CFL playoffs is is a completely different animal. It's where yeah. we get excited. But for me, I would like. I would like Montreal just, first of all, because I think we all forget how crazy Montreal fans are, and like that includes the Alouettes. So I, I would yeah. like to see them host a game. Um, I also do, like, genuinely, you said, oh, you're not taking them seriously as a contender. I will say there were things that I saw with Darnell Sankey out there. I, I think that that defense Well, is, their defense is, is yeah. uh, legit. Yeah. Their defense is legit, and... Um, the fact that they rebuilt it middle of the season, right? With Lemon and Sankey coming in, yeah. and now... Just sign like, Calgary, guys. Yeah. Apparently the stamps won't do it. Um, <laughs> Some subtext there, obviously. Uh, well, no, I, okay. I, again, we don't have that much other than it's hilarious that Lemon got a touchdown and not a sack. I don't, I don't have them that much. Um, Ottawa continues just to be, it's, I feel with them a little bit the way that I feel with the stamps where they feel like a team that it's like, I actually think there were some encouraging things earlier in the year from Ottawa, yeah. but they do feel like a team that's like ready to move on yeah. from the season. Um, and that's okay. It's just, it's been so many years of that in Ottawa that yeah. it's... They're just snake bit. And they yeah. just need to, yeah, reset. Hopefully a new year, new yeah. result, basically. We know they should have stability in the coaching system. They should be, you know, rebuilding. But, like, it is 
Do we know that though? The funny thing about the CFL is like there's nine teams and generally two to three teams change their coaching staffs every year. And I always go into the off season going, Oh, well, it feels like everybody's going to keep their jobs. And then like somebody miraculously changes a coaching staff. It always happens. And it just makes me go. I mean, if they got rid of Bob Dice this year, that I think that would be, that's not enough time for a guy like him to, for any coach to put. And I I ultimately think that, I mean, again, it seems that lose their starting quarterbacks. And I like, joked about yesterday on twitter like there was a riders fan who was all like he was all frustrated and I, like we all get frustrated as sports fans so there's no actual criticism here yeah but i was like you're in the playoffs and trevor harris has been out all year <laughs> like like it hasn't been that well, bad and, and the, thing, the thing is that rider fans seem to be the ones that are like think their team is the worst when there's three other worse teams than them yeah like it just you're not gonna be you're not gonna win a playoff game this year with that team um right now just the way bc and winnipeg are yeah. playing but you're gonna make the playoffs it's better than anyone in alberta can right and like yeah like would the ottawa red blacks <laughs> trade places with you yes of course they're they're also a team that's on their down their depth chart and quarterback situation and they're not in the playoffs so they would easily trade the but like that's my trade thing. positions with you when i look around okay is there a possibility like toronto obviously they're not making any changes I think that Corey Mace would be the most likely person to get hired for a head coaching role or to get promoted for a head coaching role of all of the yeah of all of the non-head coaches in the league. Hamilton, I wonder if Coach O would want to step back at all and potentially give Milanovic some of the reins, but I think that that would ultimately be his decision. And that's a team that, for all the doom and gloom, has like largely salvaged a really difficult situation. Yes, I had Louis on, and I thought Louis was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, he's such a smart guy. But he said, he was like, look, the expectations were set so high that anything short of basically doing what the Argos are doing was going to be a disappointment this right. year. But they did lose their big-name starting quarterback. Then they lost Schultz, who came back in yesterday and looked pretty okay. Right. Um, I still can't believe that just snapping the ball as soon as you're allowed to to catch the other team off guard works but apparently it did yesterday <laughs> um um but you like do that, what works though so. I, I think that ultimately like my only the only reason i think there would, would possibly be a change in hamilton is if coach o wanted there to be a change and right. wanted to take like oh, yeah. to not have eight different job titles uh, i apologize if anyone like montreal has taken a step forward they've climbed they, they're building something yeah we talked about rebuilding on the fly um I, so that there's no change there. They're going to make the you're not if you're an East team and you make the playoffs, you're not making changes. No, Bob Dice, got to give more time to. Um, the players love him. There's like it, yeah, I again, oh, like there's always something that happens though. This is the CFL, right? Yeah. So I, I think mean, if we're realistic, like Chris Jones could get replaced in Edmonton. I don't think so though. Well, because. That situation is like they're going to be paying him for a long period of time, and you're just going to put yourself in this horrible situation financially. They've if also you, been if you let pretty go. good. Like they they showed progress in the back half. Yeah, and I know how terrible well, but, it was. And they and, refused to play Trey Ford for the first half of the year. Now you do punish him for the that now. I don't think so. It just again, I'm like you know, we're not making changes in Calgary or BC or Winnipeg, right? So like I, mean, I know what I know what yeah. you're saying, Danny, but just sometimes things happen and you're just well like, no and okay. i'm just saying that i i think that i mean based on my twitter um you know there are people calling for change in calgary um i have yeah. i've gone on record i think that's absolutely ridiculous um, no, I, I think you just run it back and pray for more fewer injuries that's what i i that's what i would say you're gonna do here in calgary but again yeah. 
I'm, I'm watching that team last night and just seeing. So yeah, let's, you know, we, we're going to have just seeing not enough oomph. Like this is your season on the line and they have just kind of in mentally checked de- out mentally decided they're not making the playoffs. I mean, when, when Jonathan Moxie is getting beat deep twice, like that's you know, when, when Trey Robertson is getting beat, that play was weird. I'm not like yeah. as concerned. Like it literally, I don't, really understand what happened on that play to be perfectly honest with you um obviously the chris no snow joe news had kind of dropped so yeah that was at that exact moment i i was trying to get a, a chris snow story online so i sort of watched it without breaking it down or anything like that but like when those guys when your veteran corners who, who you're paying big money to are, are getting beat and you don't have like they didn't have any sacks last night second game in a row it didn't feel like they had any like i like, believe that's the second game in a row where they had no sacks because i know against montreal they yeah. didn't and montreal's allowed more sacks but i mean it's they. not even the sacks it's just like just the not pressures. just not enough pressure like what like you're just letting the opposing offense have them the modicum of time that you do whatever you want yeah it's just it's just not cam, i mean cam judge I, I thought was good but otherwise there was no one i mean i was asking like i think let's be real when when we come to all-star voting the only all-stars realistically for this team will probably be mike rose and reggie bagleton i think i said this yeah like it's not the o-line i'll tell you that <laughs> um no it's not the o-line none of the other receivers have played enough anyways um yeah. it's in running back you know it's brady Oliveira who's going to be the all-star so why yeah. even have that conversation um and then defensively it's not going to be any of the defensive backfield it's not going to be mike alway despite the tackles yeah no um, i think he's been fined and had too many head hits that we're not nobody's voting for him in that respect that's the, realistically so um yeah so i think that like that's that's where we're at is a team that used to absolutely dominate those all-star things and look i think james waters might have got in there i'm not saying he wouldn't probably Henry yeah. probably would <clears throat> The injuries count, but um, you know we said it a little bit after last week. But last week was another. I was like, all right, this is done. This yeah. is I like. Well, I and tell. and I took criticism for saying that they were done. They were cooked. They're finished. And it was like because I just don't see any signs of life. You got to have some, some signs of life here. And it would be different if it was like oh the other like Saskatchewan had run away with it. I think that why fans are angry and frustrated is because the opportunity not, was there. We're not wrong for saying every game is must win. Yeah, we're not wrong for saying, "Oh, they got to win to keep pace with Saskatchewan." It's just Saskatchewan keeps losing. Yeah, so they keep being given opportunities and then yeah. doing nothing with them. And I tweeted this last night, and I mean, I like, I mean, if you read my game, all right, I don't think I've ever been more negative uh, on this team than I was last night. I, I just I didn't see anything, anything that yeah. made me sort of impressed with. Like, uh, with, I watched with, watched the entire game, and I keep thinking, "Is like, there's no chance of winning this game." No. They're just not taking control. They're not taking advantage of their opportunities. They're just not doing anything. And look, and like, I I am being I'm I'm feeling a pressure to be like, oh, you know, call for heads to roll. Um, I don't think Jake Mayer was good yesterday. I'm not gonna say that I think he was good. I just think that if you watched that game and didn't see all the other things that were going on with the St. Peters, then you don't know how to watch football if you just put that entire game on on the quarterback. No. The O line without Sean McEwen there. And again, how did they, like, they lost two starting tackles and now Sean McEwen's out hurt. But the tackles, you know, they had an offseason to, to go replace Julian Good-Jones. They yeah. had Derek Dennis in camp, an all-star last season. Yes, he was coming off a leg break, but, like, still one of the most experienced elite offensive linemen. They made that decision, um, and maybe he would have been worse. Maybe that's, like, the argument that they want to make. But if you watch that game and where they couldn't run the ball, 
people keep saying, oh, they got away from the run. They didn't really get away from the run. <laughs> they never got into yeah. the run. Um, no, Jake didn't make all his passes, but like, that's the game. I don't know. I just, oh, Ryan Valentine's here. Um, so Ryan, just give me one second. You're four <laughs> minutes early. Um, <laughs> but the, the reality is like, no, I am not going to call for Dave Dickinson's head to roll. I'm not going to call for them to abandon Jake Mayer and go with Logan Bonner for the closing weeks. There, there are, I understand the arguments. Let's see what you have in your other quarterbacks. I think they know what they have in their other quarterbacks. Well, you, you have a, and I think we said this last week, you have a young quarterback. You still need to get him reps. You still need to get him. Yeah. yeah. The, these games are going to be like, crucial for your future because he needs to go through these. Like, okay, we need to, their next game is, is against the riders in two weeks. They got a bye week this week. Okay. And they could be eliminated by then, I think. Yeah. Really? And so, well, not technically. Who cares? They're not making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. Ryan's going to come on and hopefully have some positivity, but <laughs> really? I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he is. The big, a, a big, a gigantic stamp having... is not going to have positivity the day after you them ne- losing to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You it's never know what Ryan to... is going to bring. Um, Ian, I'm going to bring him on. We'll have you on next week. Yep. Are you good with that? Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll break it down next weekend, and and it probably will be uh, well. Again, the stamps won't play, so it's just weird when the stamps are on bye week. So I hear you. Um, I mean, is it this year? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a, it's been a well, and uh, I was like, wait, I'm going to be so Saturday is the playoff games this year. It was just such a weird thing because I was looking ahead to the schedule and was like. Yeah, the West Semi and West Finals are going to be on Saturday this year. Not they, in Calgary. <laughs> they did this in 2007, eight, I think. And because uh, I remember having an extra day to prepare to go to the 2008 Grey Cup. And it was very nice. I really like the Saturday playoff games. It's just going to be weird going from Saturday to the next weekend being on a Sunday. So, well. Poor you, you get to go to Grey Cup. I'm, well, uh, yeah, I'm paying my own way. It's not like somebody's paying for me. It, the, the thing is, it's tough life when you're trying to get somebody to pay for you to go to Grey Cup. Because you, uh, but until the, the last minute, they can just pull the shoot out. So. Ian, I love you. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing yeah, in Ryan. Shut, shut me up because I will keep oh, talking. I, I bring Ryan in and I don't actually know how to do this. So, okay. Get out of here. We'll talk okay. to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mug's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mug's. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mug's Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mug's Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mug's Pub. They're the best. All right. You know him. You love him. Ryan Ballantyne from Three Down Nation, the Ghost Stamps Go podcast. I've spoken to you many times this season on, on live from the 55 and you generally have come in with positivity with optimism um we literally made a we texted a couple times during the game last night um and then kind of left it at that and i have not followed up with you so i don't know what vibe you're bringing to the podcast where are you at with the 2023 calgary stampeders 
here's an interesting thing, Danny. Here we go. Have they been relative garbage through 15 games? Yes. Sure have. Are they still somehow, some way, potentially a playoff team in this league? Yes. Because the Riders have lost four games in a row and topped out at six wins, all of a sudden, if Hamilton does what they've been doing, which, by the way, is beating every team they've played in the last six weeks except Toronto, Mm -hmm. they beat BC, they beat Winnipeg, they beat Calgary, they've been on a tear outside of Labor Day. Yeah, they are a dark horse. We sure that they're not gonna give Toronto a fight, right? Like they, they, it would all no of a long... sudden. Yes. Hamilton's not a joke anymore. Yep. And Saskatchewan has two games left on their their calendar. They play Calgary and they play Hamilton. So if Hamilton next week beats Saskatchewan, all of a sudden, all the Stampeders have to do to get into the playoffs is beat Saskatchewan and win one of two games against Winnipeg or BC. Oh, both so of easy. Whom, well, so but both of whom are very likely going to be resting starters ahead of the playoffs. So neither, I don't think, I don't think that you get to that last week game against Winnipeg, who, by the way, the Stampeders only lost to by a single point earlier this season, 1918. <laughs> if you look at that game... Now, all of a sudden, it's possible. It is possible that this team gets into the playoffs. And we have seen in the CFL, whether it be on the positive side, where the 8 and 10 Stampeders won the Grey Cup, or on the negative side, where the Stampeders lost a Grey Cup to an 8 and 10 team. The Stampeders ain't going to be 8 and 10, pal. The Stampeders ain't going to be 8 and 10. Anything can happen. I understand that. I understand that. They're not going to be 8 and 10. They're not going to be 8 and 10. But it is entirely possible that this team could still make the playoffs in defiance of God and all logic. This team that has four wins with three games to go is very possibly a playoff team by virtue of beating Saskatchewan and having the season series. Now, do I think that will happen? I don't. I don't. I've, I've, I've lost the ability to believe that this team is going to get this done and if they went into a first round playoff matchup against bc um they get they get murdered they it it wouldn't it wouldn't be close it wouldn't be close and and i say that with all respect to the people on the team it's not close if they play bc i love how this team could be definitely bc they may also be going into winnipeg let us let's let us not rule out that possibility Yep, and I think it's entirely possible that they could beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think the Blue Bombers are the biggest, ripest team for an upset in the playoffs that I have seen in a while. Um, I think the Bombers are very quickly getting old, um, and as the season has progressed, they have looked worse and worse and worse. Um, And even if you look back to this weekend, they were getting beat by the Argos' backups. They weren't getting beat, you know, it – Eventually, Winnipeg ended up winning that game, and for some reason, we're bragging about it on social media. As how the Argos funny were was? Of them. How funny was it when the Argos? So basically, just to just I'm yes. Because I actually to mentioned recap this, for those of you not on X. 
Yes, we're gonna call it Twitter. We're not calling it X. Yeah, and, and, and I, I do. I sometimes feel like I talk about stuff and I forget that not everyone is like deeply entrenched. But basically, the the bombers have a, their social media team. To be perfectly honest with you, I think crosses the line quite a bit, um, and it's not all that funny. But the the Argos wrote them. If you if any memes and you're gonna get blocked, and the bombers had something ready to go, making fun of them for losing a game. At which point, the Argos just dropped the the block from the Grey Cup. And it was very funny. There was a blocked kick that basically won the Argos the Grey Cup last year. And it really yes. made me it made me laugh. It was clear that the Argos had been preparing it for some time. Uh and it really made me laugh. Thought it was great. Well and did block them did block them on X as well. Did they? Okay. Yeah, they blocked their account and then after that in the video they tweeted the block from the Grey Cup last year, which I, I agree with you is spectacular work. Mm -hmm. um, credit in fact credit to both social media teams because if winnipeg doesn't jump in there toronto can't jump back i don't oh. want to you know i don't want to suggest there was coordination there um but it certainly seemed like there might have been because those videos were pretty well produced pretty quickly um yeah that's possible <laughs> but uh but either way uh either way i love the engagement of it i yep. thought it was great um but yeah man i look i I think Winnipeg is absolutely right for the picking. I think they don't come out of the West this year. That doesn't, I don't think at, at all. Um, I think Winnipeg beats BC, uh, especially if the game is in BC. Um, yeah. You know, if the game's in Winnipeg and you've got a terrible day and it's minus 20 and, and Brady Oliveira can run wild over, over BC, then maybe the, maybe the Bombers get there, but the Bombers don't get there the way that they've been getting there, which was on the arm of Zach Caleros and on behind the, the pressure of their D-line. And it's just, like, the thing is, despite all that, and I actually don't, I actually agree with everything that you just said, except that I also saw the first half of the Bombers against the Riders in the Labor Day rematch, where Zach was as good as anyone, as, as, a, a good, as good a quarterback as I have seen in a very, very long time. And I do, like, I still see on occasion when they flip the switch, I think that they have that ability to flip a switch that no one outside of the Argos has um, in the CFL. That said, I, I looked Farhan tweeted it yesterday. If you're really treating Zach as being above Vernon Adams Jr. in the MOP race game, I clearly have Chad Kelly number one. But like, yes. someone would have but West, to. Western nominees. Yeah, Western nominees. I mean, there's no way, like, if nothing else, that should be a very close race. Um, yeah. You'll talk to people in Winnipeg and they'll also say Brady Oliveira, but like we know how this goes. It's generally the quarterbacks. Um, and I just think Vernon, like people overstate his bad games while underplaying his good. And I think he's been quite spectacular this year. Yeah, he's thrown for over 400 yards twice. The only quarterback to do well, Jake Dolagala, I guess, got over 400 in garbage time <laughs> last week. But, um, but I get, you know, I, Vernon's been, Vernon's been really good. I mean, the only thing holding him back is that. You know, at the same time, Dane Evans was Pro Football Focus's Player of a Month. So, <laughs> now is that is that not what sets Zach Caleros? <laughs> I forgot about that. Sorry, sorry, that that is just so hilarious to me. Um, Didn't he play like two quarters? Two, yeah, quarters in a month, and he's yeah. the best quarterback of the month, and the I best player in the entire league for the month. Um, <laughs> but I, I do. Uh, um, I, I do uh, agree that there are other candidates um, for MOP other than Zach. I don't think Zach, and, and maybe this is because you're comparing Zach to himself because Zach has not been as good as Zach has been. Mm -hmm. And so you see that kind of 
um, that downgrade uh, from from that when you're talking about, you know, is Zach as dominant as he used to be? He isn't. He's been throwing more picks this year. He's been, you know, he's been making bad decisions this year. Um, so I don't know that Zach is is as good as Zach has been. Um, so it's it's going to be, it's, that's going to be an interesting vote. Yes. So someone on Twitter X, no, Twitter yesterday Twitter. did say, like, did ask, they were like, well, let's say, and, and I talked about this in my intro, so I'm not going to go into my opinion on it too much, but like, I assume that the Argos are going to basically play Chad Kelly for the rest of the game. So this will be a non-starter, but how many games is he allowed to miss before it takes away from his? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. MOP case. Doesn't matter. He doesn't have to play the rest of the way. He's still the MOP. The okay. only team he's lost to as a starter is the Calgary Stampeders. And right. that's because he was injured in that game. Like yeah. He only like, played the, a quarter. You know, <laughs> yeah, he played a quarter before he was injured. But the only start that Chad Kelly has lost this year is to the Stampeders. And he didn't play that game. He was, he was gone after one quarter. So Chad Kelly is effectively undefeated when he starts and finishes a game. I think even if he sits the rest of the season, you could still call him the MOP. I mean, really, he's, he's beat up on everybody. Um, and, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me. He's still the clear winner out of the East. I mean, there's, Oh, he's the clear winner out of the East. There's no one even close in the East. And I think, you know, I, I think Zach's game has had enough flaws. And, and the flaws that Vernon Adams' game has had shows enough that Chad Kelly just hasn't had those flaws. He hasn't made those mistakes. No, he hasn't had that really awful game either. That where he no. sort of cost his team, uh, cost his team, and look, he's clearly been. He's clearly through however many weeks we're through sixteen. He is the yep. MOP. Um, I think that the reason I sort of ask is because if we remember, like last year, 
whatever debate there was concerning people being like, well, it really should be Nathan Rourke. And the argument was like, well, he just didn't play anywhere nearly enough games. Um, right, right, because he'd only played 12. Yeah. Um, so it's like hypothetically if Chad Kelly, you know, really didn't for some reason, for some inexplicably re- reason, Ryan did what he was like, our best path forward is for this guy not to play for six weeks. Um which is, I but assume, that, how long it is. But that's not going to happen. But, so, no, it's, 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 Argos, what's their record now? I, there's so many bye weeks, it's impossible to take. It's and 12 and 2, so they've got four games left, right? Yes. Yeah, so they've got four games left. He'll play some in those four games. They're not going to give him four, five games off in a row. Um, no. That's just not going to happen because you can't afford to have him be that cold. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him play, like, a half, a quarter, like – Keep him warm, but don't keep him on the field very often. Yeah, um, and I think that they likely, like, I think they'll give him the better part of three quarters in most of those games. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think that they're, they, every team, believe me, if I could get Stamps fans to understand this, every team is more than just their quarterback. I don't know why that's complicated, but like, I know, like, Flo, when we had him on, uh, this week, just to congratulate Lemon, he did say, he's like, well, I do have to rest one game. So it seems clear that every starter is getting at least one game off for the Argos coming down the stretch. Right. And that's just, that's, and it, it, it's interesting. I mean, if anybody in Calgary's questioning that, they've got an incredibly short memory. <laughs> I know. Uh, the Stampeders have been doing this for 30 years. You know, mm-hmm. they, they clinch a playoff spot, they clinch the West division, and then all of a sudden, none of their starters half their starters are playing here, there and everywhere throughout. Um, But it's interesting because you look at this, the Stampeders and you might say, well, there's probably been fewer great cups than they should have won given the quality of their franchise over the last three decades. They probably should have more great cups than they do. So is sitting players the right decision because you come back and you end up losing playoff games or whatever, you know, do guys getting that extra rest, you know, versus the momentum of a team that's constantly in it and constantly pushing um, to be their best. Um, are those teams more mentally and and physically ready for a playoff game when they get there, despite having maybe a few more bumps and bruises along the way? Well, and it's always, I mean, I think in the CFL where you get that bye week and just have to win the West final, that resting yep. anyone in the final week ends up being quite a bit of time. Yeah, um, you're off for maybe. almost a month. Yeah. So you're, you're off um, for at least three weeks. Yes. So I tweeted last night where I was like, it's time that we sort of acknowledge. And this is a larger Calgary Stampeders question. Um, It's been five years since they won a playoff game. They're not going to win one this year. Um, Unless they go to Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Um, It's going to be like, man, am I going to eat my words if they somehow... Like, I I see no evidence that they're going to pull this off. So No, but but somehow they're in a great cup and... And yeah. good people that live from the 55 are sending you out, uh, you know, to break up on the Friday because uh, yeah. we know post media won't. Um, We're not but commenting the, on that. No, you're not. You don't have to. I'm allowed to because I don't work there. Um, um, <laughs> but, but the good folks that live at the 55 do a GoFundMe to get to Danny, to get Danny out to the Great Cup because suddenly the Stampeders have figured out their shit. Yes, both you and I would eat a lot of crow in that situation and it would cost a lot more to go to gray cup than it would have before because now we're making last minute plans. Um, I admit I canceled my Airbnb for gray cup last week. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I came out and I had my Airbnb. I had a great rate. It was like 70 bucks a night, two blocks from the stadium. Um, and I had for a whole week for 300 bucks, a whole house. Um, it was an incredible deal. Uh, but I canceled it last week after they lost. And, you know, um, I, I'm not anticipating getting out to Grey Cup this year, which sucks. Had I known it was Green Day, I would have held on to it. Um, if, I, if I had known it was Green Day, I would have held on to it. But that's beside the point. So, um, it, okay. I, I want to get five to... years without a playoff. Yes. Sorry, Do you like? I am a true believer in you are running it back next year with generally the same staff. I don't like. I I am a believer that like there are a big part of this year. There's a big part of this year that you can just sort of chalk up to some bad injury luck. You haven't gotten the play you wanted. That clearly there was some money, some big money invested in certain positions that has not panned out. Um, I'm not going to come quite out and name those players, but I think that they would spend their money differently going forward. Um, this is a, a two-parter, but what do you think has gone wrong? Like, What has changed over the last five years? Because it's been long enough that it's not just a bad loss here or there. Like, There has been a decline in the standards of standard of play for the Calgary St. Peters. Do you have any sense of why why this might have happened i think i mean i i think certainly from from last year to this year um from last year to this year we we have an absolute gaping void of leadership in that locker room um the stampeders have long been the feeder system for the cfl right guys come in they play here for three or four years they sign a big money contract elsewhere and off they go. And for a long time, this team has done an admirable job of finding the next wave of replacing that talent with great scouting and great player development and everything else that they've needed to do to get people in. A lot of that though also came from coaches. And when you look at the Stampeders right now, they've also lost your Ryan Dinwiddie's, your Corey Mace's, guys like that, that also were glue guys. So now you've lost glue guys in the coaching staff. And that's not to discount the current coaching staff at yeah, all. Yeah, you're not saying they're bad coaches. You're saying that there's no, a difference between guys who have been that in there's the- a- Yes, there's a difference that guys that were here forever that moved from being players to being coaches, um, you know, in in that vein. Um, So you've got different coaches. And then in one year, you cut Derek Dennis in training camp. and, And that guy, that resume, that standard, that leadership in the locker room, does that raise questions about the organization for the people who are still behind? You know, I, I I wonder if we've now, if we're starting to see the kind of the after effect of, of what used to be the football culture, which was fear and intimidation from coaches and players or from coaches and management, right? You're going to do it. I tell you, you're going to show up when I tell you, you're going to do everything you can to be who you, you know, to be who I want you to be. And now we're starting to see that it's got to be this generation of, of players that are coming up 
and this I don't want this to sound like an old man boomer rant, but it's a different mindset of you all heard we, we've all heard this it's the sort yeah, of unspoken thing and it, it's not and that's not it's not a complaint or a negative it's a recognition that no longer can you treat players as commodities and treat players as though i don't want to say own because that brings in a lot of negative racial things um that i'm not interested in getting into but you can't treat players as though they should be grateful to play for you. What you need, you need to be the, the successful teams now are the teams that are, you know, we knew Corey Mace was a player's guy. Corey Mace wasn't Corey Mace was a player's guy is a player's guy. He's going to be with the players. He's going to make them make them feel like they are, you know, they are valued beyond their contributions on the field you know, there, there's little things like that that can make a massive difference in the mindset of the room. So when you've got that loss of coaches now and you, you're transitioning into different coaches and then add that to losing Bo Levi Mitchell, longtime Stampeder, Hall of Famer, guy that just his attitude was always, you know, I dare you to go against me. I dare you to bet against me because... I'm going to put this team on my back and I'm going to motivate my guys to get the victory. Jameer Thurman in the middle, another guy that was a rock solid clubhouse leader, Derek Dennis, Sean Lemon comes out of nowhere to win the MODP West nomination last year and can't get a contract anywhere in the league, let alone back here in Calgary. I don't, the, I think you've got you know, to mention if we're talking leadership, Kamar Jordan needs to be in there too. Yeah. Kamar Jordan's another leaders. guy that, yeah. that like, did ev- absolutely everything to constantly try and get himself back to the level where he needed to be was a great locker room guy. You've got all of these locker room guys, right. That, that are the absolute um, that are, that are the leadership and the heartbeat of the team and have been the heartbeat of the team for a long time. And all of them are gone within the last eight, you know, the last off season. All of those guys went from on the team to not on the team. And so now you're talking about, we, we've mentioned six, seven players that left this team that you needed to bring that leadership back in. It's almost impossible to think that from one season to the next, you're going to find six leadership candidates in your dressing room in one off season. So finding leadership in that dressing room, finding players that are willing to step up and be the guy and the veterans that are there haven't been known for being the guy that's going to jump up and be the guy from a leadership perspective. I mean, I think and, Reggie and, and Kadeem, you could have had that expectation of. I, I, I Yeah. But that's two. Yeah. That's two. I think McEwen. And, and yeah. I, I, I only know Jake from post-game scrums, right? I only yeah. know Jake from post-game scrums. I haven't had the pleasure of having, having him on my podcast. We've tried a couple times and I just don't know if there's maybe an unwillingness based on how the season's going. Or I just an do unwillingness if I was it. him, I wouldn't do it this year. Um, like but without, if I, no I mean, disrespect to you. I just like, if I am Jake right now, there's such a, a lens that's sort of trained yeah, on him that absolutely. like I, I can absolutely. understand wanting. And if what I hear about what Calgary fans yell at him on the sidelines is true. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, just, absolutely. It's, I'm, I'm not sure I would want to be interacting that much either. Cause I, I think people are jerks. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's a friendlier room he can come into than the basement. <laughs> yeah, that's because very true. there isn't. There isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
I, I think from what I get from Jake, and, and maybe he's different, maybe he's different in the huddle, maybe he's different in the locker room than he is with the media, but Bo used to wear that heart on his sleeve, right? And Jake, I does not. His 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 demeanor after a win and after a loss is, you know, if you've got an emotional scale from one to ten, Jake's demeanor after a win and a loss ranges from four to six. It's always, really, and, and, and I don't, and, and I appreciate his. Willingness that's what he's to, showing the media. I think that's what he's showing us, and, I think and, he's... and that, and that's what I, that's what I'm saying. And I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there that that his, you know, we're we're in the we're also in a generation of media trained athletes more than we've ever been to, you know. Mm-hmm. They know that they know that it's the responsibility to stand there and answer questions, and it's almost that deadpan. I'm not going to give you anything type. You know, uh, there was when Jake or when Bo was here and I'm writing for three down there, I could count two or three times a year where I'd get an extra story in because Bo would say something post game that was worthy of its own article. Yep. And, and Jake's not that guy. You know, I think, I think last night's interview that I saw that they posted uh, on, on Twitter, um, that might be the most down i've ever seen him and i would still put that at an emotional response level of a four you know it still was a reasonable and rational breakdown of the season it wasn't like you know there was there was obvious frustration there Mm -hmm. but it didn't kind of raise to that level so i don't know whether he is a different guy in the huddle or not you know um yeah i think he's got that sort of chill california vibe and i don't like I don't, I'm not necessarily like, it's interesting. And this is sort of more like not me responding to what you're saying, but me thinking about what yeah. you're saying. And like, yeah. it's always interesting how like that idea of never get too up, never get too down is what coaches want from players, right? Like they right. want an even keel. They want you to forget your mistake. They want you to, you know, every play is one in front of you. So like technically what you're describing sounds great, but I also do understand that like, I understand you saying like with Bo, you felt like you were running, people were going to run through a wall with him. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and like, and we don't know, but I, I understand and maybe why the locker room guys thought that he would be the Bo would be the guy to take that bullet too. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not saying Jake's not taking it because Jake through to his credit all season, you know, Jake's oh, yeah. not, Jake's He's not running out there with, with Giselle, you know, Jake's wife uh, or, or significant other. I don't even know if he's married. Um, but, uh, you know, Jake doesn't have a Giselle saying he can't catch the ball too, mm-hmm. you know, because Jake has, Jake's has eaten a lot of shit this year. Um, considering the stamps once again, I think are leading the league and drop passes, you know, like Jake is the one that's there saying, I need to execute better. I need to be better. This is what I did wrong. Jake is taking a lot of those bullets, but I also don't know that, that the guys in the room feel like he's fighting back for them at all you know we didn't yeah. execute we didn't play well whereas Bo would come out and you know there's a malaise that man said... i can't wait to play these guys again because we'll beat the shit out of them next time yeah. that kind of feeling right i we just don't get that passion um, no and there's just there's a malaise that's sort of settled yeah. in with this team yeah. and like it's it's to be honest it's a thing that from the start of the season and i found jake talked about it a couple of weeks ago and i was actually like he articulated something that I've been trying to articulate, which is just there are stretches where this team looks pretty decent. Yep. 
And then there are stretches where it feels like they can't do anything. Right. And that when those happened, they just, it's a, it, good teams know how to stop that. Good teams know how to like, okay, everything's going wrong. We have a play in our pocket that we know that'll work and it'll give us a little momentum back, give us a little confidence. And, and, and the Stamps just don't seem to have that. I mean, obviously they can't score touchdowns to save their lives right now. Um, no. Like it has been. Well, and, and you look at, you look at again, that's those seven locker room guys that are missing, right? Yeah. I was stand, I was there I was there in, at at McMahon when Montreal broke out a 28 to 0 lead and you could hear Nick Lewis in row 55 of the stands screaming at the players on uh, on the sideline that they were a better team than that and they needed to get their their poop in a group um to move forward uh and they did they came back and won that game. You don't have I don't know that you have those kind of guys on the field right now that even have the credibility in the room because it takes time to build that credibility in the room. Yeah. You can't just become a leader overnight. You become a leader over time that guys respect and listen to. And, you know, I, I just don't know that, that the Stampeders have that guy right now that stepped into the shoes with enough credibility from the rest of the, the locker room. So I'm only going to, I'm going to try to keep this like two minutes. I, I want to let you go. Yeah. You've already overstayed what I asked, which I super appreciate. Um, oh, and I'm sure you've got your next guest waiting. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely don't. I'm so ready to um, to, to go home. Um, I, I This is my my day off from Flames. And yesterday, I didn't, oh. well, I, I did end up writing Flames, but I'm, I'm great. I'm working quite a bit. And I'll, I'll tell you some stuff after. <laughs> Flames is a lot. Well, plus doing the Stamps games. And I have no complaints. I'm loving life. Life's great. I have a big, I, I made a big life move as well. Uh, recently, which I'll tell you about off air. So I, I just have things to do. So I'm looking forward to getting home. But this has been amazing. I tell you right now, it is February, let's say 10th. I don't know, whatever the first day of free agency is. And the Stampeders, who is the first player who you would want to see the Stamps bring back? They get the pick of the letter. Every former Stampeder, every single player who has played for this team and is now playing elsewhere, you get one. Well, we were so close. I was going to say Doug Flutie. Um, but <laughs> current player playing. Current player playing in the league. Um, I mean, if I had if I had the ability to bring back anybody, absolutely anybody right now. Um, oh, that's that's tough. Uh, it's tough because it's sort of saying like, I'm saying for those leadership intangibles. Uh, like to put it clear. Make it clear, like, Jameer Thurman would be my guy. I think that he was such a culture guy and such a leader. and such, But that's not a, I'm not trying to take him, take a shot at Mike Alway. Like, it's not – I'm. it's less who do you want to bring back than who do you, I think they miss the most in terms of those leadership qualities. But you could also say flow. Oh. I wouldn't have a problem. I, I'm just saying. Okay, well, yeah, you know, my, my, we're going my with the original pick, question. Why am I changing this? We're going with the original question. Gonna be, my first pick was going to be flow because I think um, they just, you know, with, with – Mike Rose has done what Mike Rose, Rose does. He's got nine sacks on the season. Um, I don't think you could ask more from him, but the Stampeders continually uh, have, have had little to no pressure um, on, mm-hmm. uh, uh, on quarterbacks. So I would say flow first and foremost. Um, if you're looking from a leadership standpoint, uh, Jameer might be that guy. Um, if you're talking about purely who is a football player I want back on this team right now, it's Julian Goodjones. 
because he's <laughs> a young defensive, he's a young offensive tackle who could actually give Jake the time to make throws downfield. Because I think that's one thing that the fans do not give any grace to co or any grace to Cody, any grace to Jake Mayer about is that he is on the run for his goddamn life back there. And not, no, there has been no tackles, not one tackle that has played this season that played to the level of of Derek Dennis or Julian Goodjones. I think Bryce Bell was the closest it's before also, he got like, injured. This league, but even he's supposed to be the sixth guy. This league um, just like undervalues tackles. Like NFL teams, like tackles get taken in the top ten. Like, yes. like offensive tackle is a vital position, and like yes. people just like like ignore the story being like, oh, there's all these issues with the Stampeders yesterday. And everyone was just like, oh, you're dancing around the fact that it's Jake. And I'm like, like, no, guys, we're dancing more to football than the quarterback. I, I pulled it up because I wanted to make this point, and I know we're we're over your time. But no, I'm last over season, your time. We're good. Last season, last season, Jake Mayer threw 14 touchdowns against seven interceptions and had the best offensive line in football. Mm. And he did that in 13 games. Uh he threw for his average was over eight and a half yards per completion. Uh, this year it's dropped to 7.4. He's thrown 15 picks. He's thrown in 15, you know, in 15 games, he's thrown for almost 1300 more yards, but he's also thrown almost twice as often as he did last year um, because the team can't get a run game going because defensive ends are collapsing in and taking away the run game. And as soon as it, and, and this is on absolutely on the coaches and the play callers because Right now, we either get one yard or we get nine yards from Kadeem Carey or Diedrich Mills. They don't seem to have that stand, that kind of three to four yard run. They're either yep. over seven or they're under one. And it seems like as soon as there's been two or three one yard runs, the Stampeders just abandon the run game entirely, regardless of the score. Um, last Yesterday, there was only 16 rush attempts in total. And that was one Tommy Stevens, one Jake Mayer. And some kidding, and they were only ever down by they were never more down by more than ten, which is not an acceptable reason to abandon the run game. No, I, I do think that there were like moments in that game where you could feel Sean McEwen's absence, and I didn't. I felt like yeah, the, and I, I felt like they were really there were just plays where I was like, well, this is basically a wasted play if they try to run it down the middle. Um, so like, I'm not saying oh abandon the run game, but, but, I, but I, I get him to the outside. Pitch like pitch the ball, like throw throw a fullback out there to make a block and pitch the ball. I'd rather them pitch. I would much rather see them pitch the ball than see the screen pass. That's the screen pass for nothing. Which has been so bored of that play. They continue. Well, do you know who's not bored of that play? Is defensive coordinators Um, because they know it's coming and they see it coming and it's going for maybe three, but mostly a loss. like pitch, pitch the ball out. Let your let these guys who can run the ball run the ball. You know who's uh, a really good blocker who just came on the market? Richard Sandani. Do you think there's any chance they try to bring Sandani back? No, no, okay. no. I think I think when you look at Canadian receivers, you you've got Phil Pot coming back next year. You'll have Barnes coming back. Next oh, year. I'm saying you bring him back for the next three games because he's one of the better blockers that they've had as a receiver. Like, is it is it really going to be? Is it really going to make the difference? I mean, I, I you have to see what you have in Cole Tucker. I think the Rice and John experiment is over. Um, um, I think you have to. I, I I think you have to see what you have in Cole Tucker now that he's back on the field. Um, but again, 
maddening to me last night that he caught a pass on uh, he caught the one pass he caught all he had to do was fall forward for a first down and he ran backwards three steps and got tackled and turned and turned it into a punting situation on second down instead of just getting over the sticks you know when you talk about those those guys and that's the one that I don't you know and and I have questions about because we know Nick Lewis is the receivers coach and Nick Lewis was famous for you know if you need four yards he's going to give you four yards in one inch Nick Lewis was always going to be the guy that got across the sticks and that mentality isn't there um, with some of these guys right now. And it, it's, it's maddening to see you see guys catching the ball right near the sticks. And instead of just falling backwards and getting down, they're running two yards back and getting tackled to try I mean, and make more of the play. I actually, and I, I hear that. I think Nick Lewis has done a great job as the receivers coach. Um, I do actually, like, I think that it's been a, a, a real positive. I just think you lost Malik Henry. Yeah, in Marky Thambos, he went down. Jalen got hurt. Clark Barnes got hurt. Like you're arguably down four of your would be starters. <laughs> like, like you know, Reggie. Like, it, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm making this work. Reg- I mean, argument. Reggie. Yeah. Reggie's playing. Reggie's playing out of his mind, considering what's happening to his body. That yep. shot to the ribs last night was. You know, it was a suicide pass, and uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, ended up it ended up incomplete um, because I think he made a hell of a catch. Yeah, um, it was incomplete, but he went up to yeah, you know, and that's why I said unfortunately it was yeah. incomplete um, because he went up to make a hell of a grab and and just you know lost it when he got to the ground. But um, it looks like it hurt. That must have hurt. So yeah, yeah, because there's not there's not a lot of padding under nope. there, um, nope. and so that was just a helmet right to the body. Uh, and, uh, you know, clean hit, no complaints, but it, I mean, it's Reggie just... has, Reggie has fully proven himself again yeah, to be Reggie, one of the, to be one of the very best receivers in this league. If like yeah, he's, he's been exceptional. There's no this question league. about what Reggie can do. So I it mean, was why know, when it, he fumbled against Montreal, I apologize for traffic, when he fumbled against Montreal, I was like, ah, this season's over. Like, yeah. Like, everyone gets it, to make mistakes. It wasn't just that fumble, but <laughs> no, but it was like it was the game. moment where I was like, Reggie has been so exceptional, and again, every player yeah. makes mistakes. So like a yeah. fumble, like there's no criticism of Reggie Bangleton here, God forbid. But no. like it was the moment where I was like, ah, if this yeah. guy's dropping this ball at this moment in the game, maybe yeah. it's just not your year. Well, yeah, and when when Mills fumbled last night, yeah, um, you know, I looked at it, I was like, ah, damn, that's okay. Well, it's that week again. It's, yeah. it's that week again, which is one turnover. And, and again, the Stampeders this year are not good enough collectively right now as a roster to allow for any mistakes. They need to play relatively mistake-free football. Jake didn't throw an interception last night. Now, granted, he didn't throw a touchdown, and he had a couple that could have been picked because, you know, the DBs dropped them. But normally against the Stampeders this year, those DBs not only are catching those balls, but they're also taking them back for a touchdown. That's the way the Stampeders season has gone. When they've made mistakes, they've been absolutely devastating mistakes. <laughs> and it's ever. continued to happen all year. But I think, I I mean, I, I like to believe that Jake could be the guy if you gave him protection because he proved to be that guy last year. When you looked at his completion percentage from last year, I mean, it was way higher than it is now. He only had 80 completions or 80 incompletions in 13 games last year, um, which is uh, a very high completion percentage. Um, versus this year, I mean, he's at a hundred and seventy some already um, in in just about in only two more games. So he's got twice as many incompletions this year over last year. 
um, in, in nearly the same time frame, And, and you just, you know, it, it just starts to get to be where um, you wonder what might've happened if they had given him the same kind of protection he was getting last year. Um, and if he had the same call caliber of receivers he had last year. And um, not just same caliber. If he had the consistency of receivers, if he had the receivers week in and week out. To well, they were, they were, they were constantly in and out of the lineup last year, but you always had like a combination of, of guys that were catching the ball. Um, but I think, I think this year, you know, you lost Barnes who was, you know, people forget how good Clark Barnes was. I think Clark right. Barnes, if he played for the year, had a very good chance of being rookie of the year. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Which at this point is uh, what, Dustin Krem. I keep trying to figure well, this out. It's going to be. I mean, the CFL. I checked last year. They sent out October eighteenth. An eligibility like, report. An eligibility for rookies. Um, right. But like, which is so annoying because like now that I have to fill an hour twice a week for this podcast, I could really <laughs> use that information. <laughs> <laughs> it would be good to have the conversation now. I mean, yeah. that's the thing, right? When it, normally, normally I complain that I don't get to vote for the Stampeders Awards. I, what do you do this year? What do you give it to? I mean, you, you've got Reggie. MLP, Reggie to me is MOP. Yeah, Canadian judge. Um, rookie, still Clark Barnes. Um, still Clark Barnes? What's that? Still Clark Barnes. Is there? Oh, hey, I don't know if there's anyone better. Who else is a band? Like, who else would it be? Like, legitimately, there's no yeah. one on the there's no one on the D line no. who it would be. There's no their linebackers are vets. Their DBs there hasn't been a they, they they get hurt every three games. So yeah, other other than Trey and Moxie and Dozier, um, and then yeah, like again, O line. I'm not giving it to either of the tackles who have played a couple games receiver there's no one other so yeah they got no, like, oh, oh yeah yeah i guess yeah it's gotta be barnes unbelievably um o-line I, i'll just give it to McEwen. um well yeah I, I don't think you can give it to anybody else but, i mean i have like i have no idea like i haven't i that's not one where i always talk to coaches and they might right. tell me that ryan sevier has actually been amazing and i would have no choice but to trust them <laughs> right yeah yeah that's yeah, fair and then I don't know, like, what's the other one? Like, I mean, I don't like Renee is not going to uh, win special teams. Special no, Renee is not going to win, but it's either, it's either, it's not going to be any of the returners because they've only played half a season yeah. um, each. So I think it's got to still be Renee um, because you're not with respect to what Cody Grace does. You can't vote for a punter for most special teams player of the year. No. Um, you know, uh, so it's going to be Renee, but I don't think Renee wins it. Because his percentages, well, Renee didn't officially play according to the CFL website as of right now. Um, I don't know if you saw that I tweeted that last night, um, but I went to check Renee's stats on the season on the CFL website. And when you look up field goals and converts, Renee Paredes is not listed. Amazing. (laughs) There are 10, there are 10 kickers who are listed. Renee Paredes is not listed on the CFL's website right now. Um, Um, I, yeah, he's not ultimately like. I mean, I, to be honest, first of all, I think that people have been waiting for Renee to drop off in other markets for years, um, anyways. So I think like the slightest. But hint, it's, it's not even really a drop off. The no. guy's still at like 87 percent, something like that. He's like, been great. He's missed a couple. Who cares? Like, yeah, you'd still have that guy if he wants to continue being a fireman. Yeah. And yeah, and the ones the ones he's missing are from outside the forty and fifty. Like he's exactly. not missing. He's not missing anything inside the forty. So yeah. Um, the guy's had one bad game his whole career. Like literally yeah. 
Um, So, yeah, but I mean, I guess that's it. I mean, I asked Ian, but I mean, I think that the only all-stars on this team, like, I don't know if we want to go West Division. Let's just go ahead, but like CFL all-stars. I have to assume Reggie gets in and I think Mike Rose. Here's an interesting question. Mike Alway leads the league in defensive plays. I think that people are, because of the fines, just going to hold that against him, and there's no way. Like To be honest, I just I don't think there's any way that fans are going to, or that media and other markets are going to vote for him. It's kind of crazy, though, to think that you could be, you can make the most plays in the league at your position, but because of four hits that you made over the course of 140 or 150 defensive plays, whatever it is now, um, I hear you. And I mean, I just think that what we need is, you know, it's like once one person made the argument that he's been fined four times and therefore should be suspended. I just like that every other person thought that it was creative and unique to make the same argument. Um, never mind that the CBA has clear rules on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand the argument. I'm not actually defending it on any level. I don't want to be defending CFL, this the CFL, the, the threshold for CFL suspensions is so much higher than you'd ever <laughs> think it should be. Um, but it is, uh, it's incredibly high. So yes. um, you need, you need to do uh, Marino esque egregious behavior in order to get suspended. And not for nothing. I, I really didn't think that was a 25 yard spearing penalty. Um, I, I thought that, that Awe was on his way in on that play and the guy was tackled down from behind and Awe would not have hit him helmet to helmet if he wasn't already being tackled a second ago. And by that time, it's too late to adjust your body position. And so I think he got an unfortunate hit um, in that in that way. Um, I think but, that ultimately, like, you have a responsibility to the people on the field, too. So it's like, I, like, sure. I, 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 it's, it's one of those a, tough ones. Like, all, I understand your thing, but, like, as a, he, as a you go helmet back, to helmet. You, pardon me? As a running back or a receiver or somebody no. else as a quarterback, you are more than welcome to lower your head and drive it into another player while trying to get more yards. But the player who's trying to stop you from getting yards is not allowed to lower their head to prevent you from getting yards. And that's those are the rules. Those I, are I understand the rules. that. But those rules don't make any sense. It doesn't make logical sense that Andrew Harris can drive his helmet through your shoulder and through your chest, you know, but Micah Alway can't throw his helmet through your chest. Through Andrew Harris's chest. Personally, I want sense. a game where we are just doing little screen passes that resulted. Is that? Did we call that an onside punt? What did we call that play yesterday? Oh, the onside <laughs> punt was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal um, play it's of the every, season. More of those. Please. I love that Chad Kelly tweeted. Wait, this is allowed. Like <laughs> that Chad Kelly goes. Oh, just wait to see what we do with this. You know, I honestly, I honestly, I honestly expected the Stampeders to do it when they were second and 23 and they threw that it's little the second you see it you're like why wouldn't every team do this and every yeah, all the time. These... yeah and all that does all that does by the way is suck up is suck up defenders to allow more deep balls yep you've done that once you've done that once which now means that every team has to account for that and every team has to put a defender on you coming out of the line which opens up the deep ball down the field it is a brilliant it is going to affect CFL defenses whether or not we ever see it again or whether we see it anywhere anytime in the near future it will affect CFL defenses um knowing this that is, that is possible it's it's insane that it's possible 
Yeah. You just have it's, to, it's, it's crazy, but I love it. You just have to do so a little much. mini kick past the line of scrimmage, and then it automatically, you could just recover. A little dribble and, kick is phenomenal. I love the idea that they did it. I can't wait to see somebody else try it again because you have to not only you like the idea that he, he was able to cross it over the like three yards, which yeah. was get it, kick it from behind the line of scrimmage to over the line of scrimmage and then just fall on it. I mean, it reminds me of that. Those, those like Pat McAfee clips where he just kind of dribble kicked his kickoffs mm-hmm. completely on his own because they didn't have anybody within there. And then he dive on it after 10 yards and get the onside kick. Um, I love that kind of stuff. I love that the CFL has it as a possibility. And I love that it's happened because now on second and 23, you can't drop eight guys. You just can't anymore. You can't drop eight and rush three because you know, the dribble punt is coming. And, and I'm totally, I'm totally excited about it. I thought the TSN panel did a great job of explaining it. It was a play that like instantly I was like, CFL. Like, yes, 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 we can do it. And I'm still, I'm like, wait, there's no way that my understanding of this rule is correct. You don't need to get it past the first down line. You just need to kick it past the line of scrimmage. Because you've onside kicked it. And so therefore, it's therefore it's a live ball. It's yep. a live ball and the recovery is first down. Now, I, I also have the fear because the CFL loves to shoot itself in the foot sometimes that they'll amend that. Tomorrow. Um, yeah. That they'll amend that in the off season. Um, well, and change and the what, rule, which would be dumb of them to do. It would be so dumb. And it, it like, it's one of those things. I love that, like, and, and again, you've gone so much longer than I asked you for. So I really appreciate this. It's one of no, those I, things. A couple, it. a couple years ago, Jay Triano, the basketball coach, discovered that from an inbounds play, there is no goaltending. So you can basically just lob it up at the net and, and your team can go in and, anyways. A little one of those things. And what I remember like last night thinking was like, I forget that all of these big, tough football guy coaches, it's like, they're still dorks who just love football and love like reading the rule book and, and finding out little loopholes. And like, I mean, I don't want to call, I'm not actually calling anyone specific a dork, but like, it was just one of those funny things where I was like, I love the idea that like late at night in the middle of February, some coach was just like, nose deep in the cfl rule book and they were like i got it and i'm gonna bust it out and it yeah. happened and if you watched that like from the first tweet that went out like americans were losing like it had more crossover than any play that has happened in the entire yes. cfl this season people but loved it. the cfl took way too long to capitalize on it i know because by the time the cfl tweeted out that play and which by the way they tweeted out a different play a couple minutes later. Um, by the time the CFL tweeted out that play, the tweet from the Sickos committee had already had over 300,000 views. Yeah, exactly. Did you so, see last week when when first quarter of Calgary, Montreal, this is going to get me in trouble, but the CFL official account literally tweeted the, the Stampeders drawing the Alouette into a time camp or into a time camp oh, yeah. violation. Was it a time yeah. cap violation or was it offside? It was offside. Anyways, yeah. Yes, they drew them into offside, um, which which was interesting because two plays later when there was actually an offside on an interception, they didn't tweet out that play at all. No, um, they didn't. I mean, uh, that, again, yeah. Surprise. The Lemon interception, um, right? Yes, the Lemon interception. And again, love Sean Lemon would never, like... Yeah, I, but oh, I, that, was, that play shouldn't I have been allowed. I've been in contact to. with him even recently, 
um, you know, to talk with him about some things. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, that play should have been dead. But there was, there was absolutely offside on his interception. 100%. Um, Not by him, but that play that was that should have been a free play for the Stampeders. Yeah, it should have been a free play for the Stamps, and it should have been Stamps ball shortly thereafter. And not for nothing, that was the play that really seemed to created the Stampeders in yeah. and they just died immediately following that because it was on the first drive of the game, and they were like, Oh, this shit again. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. Because again, um, back circling back, they don't have those seven guys in the on the sideline going, doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, forget that. Um, we move on. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, buddy, well, thank you so much for doing this. Guys, check Absolutely. out Ryan on Three Down, the Ghost Stamps Go podcast. Love having you on, man. Uh, this was awesome. Honestly, and thank always you for a pleasure. Life. I literally, for those who are wondering why I keep saying 20 minutes, I was like, can you come on for 20 minutes? Then Busby <laughs> was late. So I pushed you back by 20 minutes. And then we literally just did 41. So look, um, Cowboys, Cowboys don't kick off for another two hours. So I'm not worried about it. I believe I've missed the first 50 minutes of Bill's Dolphins, which I would really like to get to, but my computer, for some oh. reason, I didn't. I literally thought as I was leaving my apartment, I was like, I should get my charger. And I didn't, so I'm now at like 4%. Um, yeah. so, the uh, charger's getting down on a Sunday. That's what happens around here. Exactly. Thank you, buddy. All right. I'm just going to do a quick outro here. Um, thank you to Mugs Pub. We love them. You love them. Check out Mugs. Amazing daily specials. Don't have them in front of me, but they are the best. Monday night football, Sunday football, Thursday football, CFL football. They got it all. Um, but honestly, that place, the food is amazing. Um, especially, I love their pizza. Thank you to them. Thank you to uh, Crazy and Fake. My apologies. Um, and yeah, guys, thank you to you, our listeners. Man, we went pretty long here with Ryan, with Busby. Love those guys. Thank you to them. Make sure you check out their work. And uh, beyond that, yeah, we will, uh, we'll be back on Thursday. I'm not going to break down the games here. I normally sort of try to talk about the games that are next week in this little weekend outro, but we've gone on for a while. It's noon. It's fall in Alberta. I got to get outside. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. We'll talk soon. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.